Xbox goes up, Windows splits, and if you're having problems with Defender, you're not alone. Happy Friday, friends! It has been it's been a week. It's been a if you're in the U.S. here, it's the, the tail end of a holiday week, and uh, I'm in a good mood because I've had the week off and doing the podcast, my favorite thing. Hopefully, you have a wonderful week. Let's just dive into the news because there's some uh, there's some interesting tidbits here about uh, things happening in the world of Xbox, some uh, Windows stuff, and so. Let's just dive in. Uh, So Microsoft, this is an interesting one. Uh, In Ireland, Microsoft is going to start offering up its batteries to back up its data centers to the grid, and the grid meaning the electrical grid in Ireland. Now, this is pretty interesting. We've been hearing this actually a a couple different places. We're hearing it now from Microsoft with their data centers are trialing it in Ireland. We've also heard about this with, uh, I believe, Tesla Powerwalls out in California. And so what this is, is if you're not, I'm not an electrical grid expert, but I have a basic understanding that, hey, demand ebbs and flows, just like any else in the world and as a, a power plant they're one of the primary challenges is matching demand and with output and so trying to keep those close together because you can't just take electricity and just put it in a bucket and just wait for you to need it and then when they throw it back under the grid it doesn't work that way and so what these companies are doing is they're realizing like hey there's tons of batteries out in the world and these can help offset our demand curves and so that they can pull power from these batteries and, and data centers in Ireland and Tesla power walls out in California to help uh, you know, put more juice into the network when demand surges. And so that is what Microsoft is doing with their data centers. I bet that this is a pilot. We might see them expand this elsewhere, but it's a really interesting idea about how these storage mediums can contribute back to the grid. And I'm sure Microsoft probably getting some pennies out of this, or if not, not this implementation, they will uh, in the future. Either way, interesting way and creative use for all the lithium that we have shoved underneath our beds. Uh, Surface Duo 2 has a couple updates that are improving the camera. This includes face detection and also nighttime photos. So if you got a Surface Duo 2, make sure to download update. It is worthwhile. Also, uh, Microsoft has updated the Windows subsystem for Android for U.S. insiders. Now, this isn't like your typical update. This actually seems to be a little bit bigger because it adds IPv6 support, uh, VPN connectivity, uh, and access to local network devices for ARM computers. So there's some that looks like the networking stack, honestly, just look like it got a pretty beefy upgrade there. So if you are a heavy user of that, it is worth trying to get your hands on that. Or, I mean, you can eventually wait. It will get shoved down to you. But if you're listening to this, you're probably on the bleeding edge of a lot of Windows stuff. So... uh, Uh, There you go. Speaking of bleeding edge of Windows stuff, Microsoft, they've done this before, so there's precedence to this, but Microsoft Microsoft loves to do AB groups inside the Windows Insider program, which is already sort of an AB group. Like, you you join the Insider program so you can get uh, the whole buffet uh, before it gets pushed out to the unwashed masses. Either way, they're back at it again, and so it's a little bit better this time than how they've done it previously. So they're splitting the Insiders and the Dev Channel into two groups. You've got A and B. So if you're an A, you will have build 22 six dot six if I could enunciate two two six two two dot whatever the string is uh, with the the unlocked features and then group B will be two two six two one dot whatever and these users will not have the feature so that's how they're differentiating the different builds to help users understand if they are or are not opted into that now one interesting thing is that separates us it makes it a little better if you are in group B you can actually get updated into group A if you just start pounding the Windows update button and, and refreshing and you will eventually get moved over into that so it's a 
it's a better implementation, but I still don't truly understand why. Now, one could be that maybe they're tr this is not what they're doing, but maybe they're looking to replace the X in the top right corner with a with an O, like they would have played TikTok 2 or something. I don't know, but whatever. And they they are trying to figure out which one works better with the groups of people or something like that. I mean, that's typically A/B testing working. Good job, Brad, explaining A/B testing. Uh, but it, I don't know, just give it to everybody, especially features that are coming because people, that's what people are in the inside of burger for either way. That's my little, whatever. Um, interesting. I don't know. There was also some discourse online, by the way, the people are getting a little antsy about Microsoft's promise for one update per year. I know we've mentioned it here a couple times in this podcast where it's one OS update per year, but man, they've been shoving a lot of stuff into an OS getting updated that technically only has one update uh, per year, which makes it kind of raises the question. So the Insider program is great for all of its faults. It's a net positive for most people. But the question becomes, does Windows lose a little bit of lackluster because they don't have events really anymore? It's just like, bam, here's our new features. Now they did with Windows 11. They did a great job there. Would they be better off if they had a quarterly event where all of their updates that they're planning just get announced on a single day or even uh, annually? I think annually would be kind of a lot, but you could imagine that they, they move a lot of things in and out and quarter, maybe quarterly is too aggressive, but they, they need... Windows does best when Windows has marketing and effort. Effort is the wrong word. Marketing and, and um, what feels like a cohesive strategy behind it. And right now, it just feels like everything just gets shoved in. It kind of whatever shows up doesn't show up. And uh, I enjoy it when Microsoft has events and they talk about Windows. We don't get much just Windows events. So I'd love more just dedicated Windows events on stage. Either way. Uh, leaked OneDrive client reveals a Windows 11 style update. So if you are running OneDrive and use that client a lot, there's an update coming down that's going to make a little, little bit more Windows 11. -y. Now, this one came in from Twitter. It actually came in from Nano Polymath. He pinged me and then I shared it up among the, uh, the Twitter folk. And it sounds like this is actually a pretty big issue. Uh, if you keep getting logged out of Defender, now he, or I should say, I assume it is he, uh, uh, gets logged out of Defender on iOS. But other people were chiming in saying, yeah, I'm getting logged out on other places a lot on Mac OS as well. And what happens is, is you log out and you try to log back in and Microsoft's like, buy an Office 365 subscription. And uh, these people already have a subscription, so they're running into a paywall when they shouldn't be running into a paywall. So if you keep getting logged out on iOS Defender, Mac OS Defender, uh, the, I don't know if PC Defender is impacted, at least doesn't feel that same way compared to the Mac users and the app iOS users. You're not alone. So it's definitely a Microsoft issue and not a, a you-specific issue at the end of the day. Uh, on to the gaming news. So interesting gaming news. And this comes from Benji Sales. He's a popular Twitter account who covers especially a lot of Japanese uh, sales. According to his sales figures, Xbox X and S have now surpassed 250,000 units sold uh, since launch in Japan. Now, that is a big deal because Japan, as we all know, is a location that Microsoft just doesn't have a lot of success. Interestingly enough, no, they have a ton of success on the Office 365 side in Japan, uh, like from a density population, but that's a different thing. Uh, but on the Xbox side, 250,000 sold. Uh, this now surpasses, well, this is way past Xbox One, which only sold 114,000. So it actually it's doubled up how many of the Xbox One consoles were sold. And so the total is now specifically, according to him, at 260,500 units now this is way behind playstation 5 but for anybody who has followed xbox in japan you will know that this is a massive victory for microsoft considering how poorly they have done previously with their consoles in that country uh, other things going on in the world of Xbox, uh, Xbox games with gold will drop Xbox 360 titles starting in October, which means that only titles going forward will be Xbox One in the games with gold program, which just 
really, I, I, when I saw that email, I really thought that they were saying like, look, Games with Gold is now done. Uh, it, it's clearly a perk that keeps it in line with PlayStation with some of the stuff that happens on that side of the fence. But I, it, I don't, I still don't understand the whole program. Uh, I mean, I understand it from like what they're doing, but from a, a, a why perspective and why they're not more aggressively shoving these people towards Game Pass. And maybe there's some data behind the scenes that justifies this and that's where it's at. But here we are. Uh, also on the gaming side, uh, Microsoft has a, a technology called Direct Storage. It's coming to the PC. It's basically taken from the Xbox. It allows you to access uh, storage faster at a lower level. But it's getting kind of quasi-delayed because the first game that was, I believe, supposed to feature this technology, Forspoken, uh, is getting pushed back. So it's not going to show up as uh, early as expected. Also, uh, Microsoft's acquisition of, Activ acquisition of Activision Blizzard is now being probed in the UK. Now, this is pretty much, again, expected. Uh, I made a tweet out on Twitter that says, hey, look, in a year from now... Microsoft will own Call of Duty. That's that's the plan. That's their expectation. And kind of they kind of got off on a weird tangent. People was like, no, it's going to close in like two months. Like, no, it's it's really not. The UK just now opening up a probe. There's the, the Microsoft has a lot of hurdles to get through. I'm still cautiously optimistic that this will get through without any major considerations. They're, they'll likely have to make some sort of deals like, hey, we'll continue to support on PlayStation or whatever for a certain amount of time. Uh, but I do believe that it will get through. But either way, the UK doing its thing. That's just kind of par for the course of what we would expect also on the gaming side the gaming conference side by the way e3 is back my friends well kind of sort of so e3 is going to be happening the second week of june in 2023 the, the team behind it officially announced like they're back but they are partnering with the pax teams you know the pen the pax conferences that are really popular i strongly suspect that the e3 that comes back is not going to the, be the e3 that we know from um several years ago pre-covid where it's these massive blockbuster events and whatever else. I suspect that it's going to have a different flavor to it, mostly because, well, Sony had already pulled out. Uh, Nintendo or, or Xbox had really just kind of pulled away as well. And so I, I really just kind of sort of think that the E3 is going to be a little bit different. And I think they're going to try to find their own niche, which is good because gaming conferences typically, especially E3, was a huge consolidation event for just a lot of people coming to meet up in the gaming industry. I'd be curious to see if it's more developer focused uh, at the end of the day, but we'll find out because you've also got uh, the developer conference earlier, which usually takes like place in mad gamescom uh so we will see we will see either way it's coming back it's supposed to be in person by the way in the la convention center basically the same venue same place as we had previously seen but now back i guess so uh either way let's move on to the questions of the week my favorite part of the week my friends let's just dive in so we've got Miggy says it is confirmed that e3 will return next year yes it is confirmed do you think it will actually happen i do think it will happen uh what changes should they implement to fix all the problems that they had Ooh, i i I am not a conference strategist, so it's a little bit hard to say what, what should they implement? Because one of the challenges with E3 now is that Microsoft is like, look, we're going to go do our own thing. Sony is already doing all their state of plays. Nintendo can clearly do its own thing. So they need to find a way to uh, aggregate the others, if you will. I suspect we might see it come back potentially as an indie showcase place. That might be a, a, a path where they can find... Uh, some traction because at the end of the day, you don't need to. You want Microsoft, Sony, and PlayStation, or Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo to show up in some regard, but they don't need to do keynotes at these events. I, I think that putting the focus on indie studios might be a way for them to claw back uh, some of their prominence that they had previously. Uh, one more question. 
when will we be able to when will we be enjoying tabs on explorer i really need them well tabs on explorer are in i believe the release preview ring and an ab testing it does sound like with the 22h2 which update should be shipping here this fall you will be getting tabs on explorer that just it, it feels like microsoft is pushing towards that and so i would be surprised at this point if they don't show up uh, the only, you know, this is uh, self-promotion and whatever else. My company makes a product called Groupie that allows you to put tabs on literally everything. Uh, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. You can look that up if you want. Uh, JNBCK says, do you think Microsoft will ever get away from the OEM model for selling most of their operating systems? Yeah, interesting idea. It seems so ingrained in buying a new computer that Windows comes with it. But I didn't know if you ever saw a future where you paid a oh, no, subscription or Windows just became completely free for home users, let me put this really clear. If Microsoft could find a logical and easy way to sell Windows as a service like they want where to the consumer, I gotta qualify that, to the consumer, where you're paying three bucks a month for Windows, they absolutely would. I don't think they're gonna get there. Now on the enterprise side, they already do that. There's software assurance, there's other SKUs where you're basically paying monthly for Windows and supports and updates and everything else. Um, on the consumer side, I don't see it changing. I, right now, you buying Windows, and for most people, they don't they don't know that they're buying Windows. Like when you go buy a Dell laptop, your your brain is like, I'm just buying this laptop. It comes with Windows, whatever. It's just like when I buy a car, it comes with oil. I didn't pay for the oil specifically, and so I don't think their model will change anytime soon. You got to keep in mind that Microsoft makes it's like eight billion ish dollars or something like that from Windows, and they'd be real dicey to touch that because it clearly works. They'd love to be able to squeak out a little bit more, but I think they're trying to pile on other services like Defender and those sorts of things, trying to do the upsell where it makes sense rather than trying to really tinker with that Windows uh, cash cow because that would be a dangerous thing to upset. And I think their model in place is honestly pretty good. And I think it works exceptionally well for pretty much everybody involved. Uh, RJ says, I've often thought that the worst thing that Microsoft ever did was to create IE and unnecessarily embed it in the system. A browser is an app. They could have made it an app and beat Netscape. Also, oh, you're, you're digging way back by making the app free. But Bill Gates was not just satisfied when he had to destroy the competition. Uh, it worked. If it worked better than Netscape, IE would still have won uh, without the obvious monopolistic move, making it impossible to have Windows without IE. I think it's entirely possible Microsoft might have escaped the monopoly suit if they hadn't been so hell-bent on destruction. Windows still has the stuff in the OS that should be an app. I don't get why they still do that. Well, first off, you are correct. They embedded Internet Explorer deep into the OS, and it is tough to rip that out. It requires a ton of work. I mean, look at, they've just retired the, the browser, but the engine is still supported, I think for another eight years or something crazy like that. And so to your point, them embedding it in the windows is what got them into the antitrust suit. But at the same time, would they have beat Netscape if it was free? Probably because Netscape wasn't free at the time. People, I know it's shocking. There's gonna be some people listening to this saying, you had to pay for a browser. Back in the day, my friends, yes, you did. You had to you had to buy your browser. You had to, back when you had to buy software, really. Uh, a lot of software you don't buy anymore. And so it may have avoided their suit, but Bill Gates was in it to win it, and he was doing everything possible that he thought he could do to win, and at the time, it made sense. Now, granted, they are still suffering the ramifications of that. Effectively, they, they lost... Um, <laughs> they lost a lot of market share. On the flip side of this, maybe it was one of the dumber things they have done by embedding it. It should have just been an app, but that sort of, it should have been an app model didn't really exist so much back then. It was a really different world. It's easy to say that now. It's like, just
just throw out a container, it's a browser, or whatever. That's easy to say now, but we didn't have roughly was it 15 or 20 years of experience now in the market of how these things should operate that back then it probably just made sense like look we make the os we can just put it in the os it'll run faster it'll be more streamlined it'll be easier to update with just an os update rather than trying to do all these different things like that's also assuming that they could have updated the browser through windows update like there's a lot of things that are in place now that makes the the, the decision look foolish but i can totally see how at the time based on how uh, computers and software were developed that it, it actually made sense back then. And so, yes, was it monopolistic? Was it aggressive? Did it push somebody on the market? It absolutely did. Did it solidify Mar Microsoft's in the in the market? It certainly did. So from one aspect, yeah, they got completely screwed by it, but on the other one, they still won. And so at the end of the day, it's like kinda, you kind of got to pick it. The other interesting thing to think about is, is the internet better off because Microsoft did get hit with a monopolistic uh, suit. They, we all know the browser ballot. I think we could all argue that, yeah, probably, because we've got Chrome, we've got Internet Explorer, or Edge now, we've got Firefox. I think the internet is probably in a better place because of this. So if they hadn't have done that, and let's say it just was an app, and let's say they did win, would the browser ballot thing have ever actually happened? And if the answer is no, then maybe the long term is that actually it was a net positive just for the overall internet infrastructure and ecosystem that Microsoft really did do this right. Yes, Netflix had to die on the altar uh, to do this and Microsoft had to go through some serious pain to get there. But I think the, the go forward of where we're at now is probably a better position. Although you could just say that Chromium or the Chrome browser is just eating the world at this point. Although Safari is hanging in there a bit with WebKit. Uh, you know, we're kind of in this interesting spot. It's a really, really fascinating thing. If There's some great conversations and, and uh, papers written about Microsoft's decision. And so I definitely think if, if any of that rambling made any sense or it piqued your interest, if you're not familiar with it too, especially, uh, go look it up. There's some great Wikipedia content on that. And Sydney2K wrapping it up, it says, while the Series S has been freely available in stores for several months, it seems that for anyone wanting a Series X, the console is easier to find. This is true. Console restraints are getting easier to find on the Xbox side. Uh, it gets to stores, but sells out almost immediately, but still people are able to find them if they really want them. No longer are we waiting through scarcity. The PlayStation 5, on the other hand, is still very hard to find. Two questions. Please correct me, am I wrong? But I think you said the winner of the console competition is how much easier it is to walk into a store and purchase a console. I, I say a lot of things. I can't remember exactly when I said that because that statement is typically true, right? These companies want availability. You think about... think. Think of the launch timeline in a normal cycle. You walk into the store, I want to buy a game so I can play FIFA 22 or FIFA 20, whatever version of FIFA. Well, PlayStation's gone, Xbox is available. I can play the game on the Xbox, I'm gonna buy the Xbox. That was true for a while. The problem now is that obviously the supply chains are completely screwing things up. And I suspect that there is probably strong demand still on the PlayStation 5 side. Microsoft has done very well with logistics. They are now a much better company at building hardware than they were several years ago. And I suspect that they put a lot of effort to maximize their yield and output of, of the consoles and did everything they can. You got to remember, end of the day, Microsoft is a massive company, a massive company with massive, nearly infinite resources. Sony, on the other hand, is not quite in the same 
category. Yes, they are a big company. Yes, the PlayStation does exceptionally well. It's a great product, but they don't have unlimited funds coming in from Office 365, from Azure. They have $9 billion coming in every quarter from Windows. And so Microsoft can solve a lot of problems by just throwing more money at it. And if they thought that they could win this console generation, which we should talk about that in a second, by just throwing more money at it and getting more consoles on the on shelves, they would absolutely do it because they know that they are the underdog in this generation and coming from behind when it kind when you consider uh, PlayStation. Now the question becomes like who like. I feel like because there's, it's really a two-horse race, you can make arguments. Like, it's basically Xbox and, and, and PlayStation. Now, someone's going to be like, the Switch is done exceptionally well. And it absolutely has. But to me, I bet that there is a strong demographic that has either an Xbox or a PlayStation and owns a Switch. I, I really believe that the Switch is just kind of its own thing. First off, it's primarily portable and handheld, whereas we're looking at traditional consoles. And so at the end of the day, we're basically left with a Ferrari and a Lamborghini competing in the market. They both are exceptionally well. They both give you great frame rates. They both have great games. Who is really winning, Ferrari or Lamborghini? Well, one will sell more units, but does that mean it's better than the other? It's We've really just got two great choices and that they're both selling well and both companies are doing are healthy with their product, which is what we want to see in the market. So who's truly winning? Yes, there will absolutely be one console that sells more. And I would honestly bet that it's probably the PlayStation. But I've said time and time again that if Microsoft can close the gap, what we believe perceived two to one, where two PlayStations were sold for every one Xbox, they can close that gap at all. Microsoft has gained significant market share, which is what they want. And that is what Microsoft is aiming for. Not to mention truly at the end of the day, Microsoft mostly cares about growing Game Pass subscribers rather than selling hardware. So um, who who is winning? We'll see. The other interesting thing, in which uh, Sydney points out, is we haven't seen a price cut yet. Historically, we would see a console price cut happen roughly on the one year anniversary. It's usually like fifty bucks or something like that. We haven't seen any of that. Now we obviously know what's going on. There, there's a ton of inflation happening right now. Uh, getting consoles to the point of this entire conversation has been difficult. PlayStation. Why would Sony cut pricing if they can't even get things on shelves? Sony has already said, I believe, that their discless console is profitable and so they're probably there by now on their other consoles at some point these companies do have to make money or or want to make money on hardware and they're going to stop using it as a lost leader i suspect that microsoft is probably there as well especially with the volume that they are are chasing down but should they cut should they cut pricing i don't know if that's going to make a big difference the big difference to me is if microsoft could cut pricing on the series s that is the the loss leader that microsoft is really pushing and so a a 50 dollars drop on a series s and just leaving the x at what it is might make a lot of sense and i think drive a lot of demand i also think that this this winter or this holiday shopping season is going to be more than likely the year of the bundle i think we're going to see a lot of bundles coming out in that we may not see a true $50 price drop, but hey, you buy Series X, you're getting two controllers, or you're getting a year of Game Pass, or you're getting whatever, and Microsoft really starts pushing the bundles hard as a differentiator for this holiday shopping season. So, there you go, my friends. That wraps it up this week. Thank you for the wonderful questions. Thanks for just hanging out. I, I love doing this. It's fun. I, I really I enjoy this. I will do this until the grave. Either way, I uh, hope you have a wonderful week. We'll catch all of you right back here next time, and thanks for tuning in.